didn't know Ruth was um, a Mish kid and Papua New Guinea. Imagine growing up in Papua New Guinea, eh? <coughs> Depends on what part you're in as to how everything... No, no, that's right. How everything would be. But, wow, she's a storyteller, eh? That was cool. So many good ideas there. Um, I'm going to give you a reprieve, Bren, because Sandra told me after I talked about the cereal boxes that we wrapped for our, or used to wrap for our kids till Micah got to 25. He's now 32. Um, and the, how he moaned so much. Sandra's actually, she said, I've already bought cereal for each of the kids and the, the boxes are wrapped. So I'll let you know uh, what kind of response we get from from the cereal thing. But so many neat ideas, and I guess there are other ideas out there as well which, which are well worth um, hearing and taking on board. How many sleeps? Three sleeps. I can't wait. Anyone a big kid? Anyone over here a big kid? It's great, isn't it? Christmas. Such a cool time. Hey, when I was um, preparing my message, oh, actually, I just want to say there's an incredible anointing here this morning. It was here when all of us arrived because we'd been praying. There was no gathering of everybody in. Everybody was in. It's the anointing. And I've already been noticing a theme through this service of God wanting, <coughs> wanting people to say yes, wanting surrender. I believe actually today God's already, and he'll continue to, just drop callings onto people's lives. That he wants to, wants to call different ones of us to different things. And so stay open to him. Listen to what he's saying. He's got specific plans in certain areas for us, for you. He's got things that he's thought about before you and I were born, before this world, the whole world ever existed. He'd already thought about 2019 and you. That's how, that's how big, how amazing he actually is. You know, when they've searched stars out into, out into the galaxies, and um, I can't remember the name of the, the person who brought this out, but they found stars that represent things to do with Jesus. They found a star that has the exact image of a cross, Miles out with the various telescopes that are there. God's just planted things. And so he's got things that he's planted around your life and my life as well. They're good things. You know, if you get Jesus, you get everything. It just keeps unpacking as Jesus is working in our lives. And we realize, flip. And the people that are racing after their will and their plan and climbing their ladder so often get to the top and find the ladders against the wrong building and they're supposed to be over here. Hey, I started uh, preparing a message and I'll keep it till next year. It was about fear and some, the way Jesus overcomes fear in our lives. And I felt the Holy Spirit point me back to something that I preached on before and it's righteousness. Righteousness. Because I actually reckon our understanding of righteous, righteousness is really minimal, but it's one of the most important topics for any Christian to be able to understand deeper and deeper and deeper because it causes us to walk differently. It causes us to stand differently. 
It causes us to step into things differently when we know that we're righteous. So I want to I want to um, go back and, and talk about righteousness as it, as it affected Joseph in his day. Because in his day, righteousness meant um, keeping and observing um, the laws, the divine rules. And if you could keep the divine rules, and there were over 613 of them that you had to keep, and if you could keep it for your entire life, you could stand in front of people, but you could also stand in front of God eye to eye because you were virtuous and you had done things right. And when I was in Israel um, just recently, I got up one morning and pulled the curtains and I saw a guy on the hotel uh, lobby, not the lobby, the balcony, um, across the road from us. And he was praying and he was reading his Bible and he was moving in that kind of religious sort of way and he was seeking righteousness. He was, he was trying to do acts of righteousness. And then I'd see people that I might have a picture up here um, of the Orthodox people who are seeking righteousness and they dress a certain way and they stand out because of the tassels with their hair and uh, uh, the black clothing that they wear and seeking righteousness. And we got to talk with, with an Orthodox Jew and uh, we were able to ask him any questions that we wanted to and I found that once the temple had been destroyed and they could no longer become righteous by having animal sacrifices and bringing those and pouring their heart, but the animal sacrifice there, because uh, Rome had destroyed Jerusalem, the rabbis in about the second century said, Jews can be righteous by praying five times a day. But the truth is, even if you get up and pray five times a day, in their heart, you know that you're not actually righteous because everybody, is that with me? Sins. So the rabbis have come up now that also, if, you, if a Jewish person seeking to be righteous will pray for 25 hours on Yom Kippur, so not just 24, but 25 hours on Yom Kippur, which happens every year and in late October, I think it might be October 30th, um, then you're righteous. In other words, all the sins of the entire year are wiped out because you pray and fast on Yom Kippur for 25 hours. And so people are searching for righteousness. And that's how it's done in the Jewish, in Israel, in the Jewish traditional way. But the Old Testament, and even the Jews today, all actually tell us that it doesn't work. You can't be righteous. No human being, apart from one, has ever been able to make it work. And be completely righteous. Everybody sins. And so there had to be another way if God really wants us as human beings in heaven. And there wasn't. Until one day, whisperings of really strange happenings in the hills of Bethlehem began to be heard. A little baby born of a virgin Shepherds rushing about, exclaiming, beings from another world have just been flying around and talking to us. And even King Herod, way over in Caesarea on the coast, in that beautiful city that was there, had heard the rumors that started circulating. You know, Christmas time is about gifts, isn't it? Anyone waiting? I am. Well, I got given a gift 
this week. It was a, a gift of laughter. And I, it was an email. And I thought I'd, see, I'd, I'd read it to you and see what you think of it. But I loved it. It was a Christmas gift of laughter. And it said this. It said, no dictionary has ever been able to satisfactorily define the difference between complete and finished. Now, we're all wanting to know, really, aren't we? We wake up each morning. What is the difference between complete and finished? Says, however, during a recent linguistic conference held in London and attended by some of the best linguists in the world, Sam Sundar Belgobin, a Guyanese linguist, was asked to make that very distinction. And the question was put to him by a colleague. Some say there's no difference between complete and finished. Please explain the difference in a way that's easy to understand. So Mr. Belgobin stood up and responded in this way. He said, when you marry the right woman, you are complete. And if you marry the wrong woman, you are finished. And if the right woman catches you with the wrong one, you are completely finished. And they, they said he got a five-minute standing ovation for it. But I also came across a story that illustrates a guy's view of Christmas. It says two men went out fishing in a small boat three days before Christmas. The wind came up, however, though the sea became very choppy, and they realized they had to head to shore. And suddenly, as they were motoring back, they hit a sandbar. And they were a long way offshore still, and night was falling, and they were totally soaked. And they were pushing with all their might to try and get the, the boat um, loose and be able to get to safety. And one turned to the other one and said, sure beats Christmas shopping, doesn't it? <laughs> now this morning I actually want to look at a man of God who God thought was trustable enough, worthy enough, mature enough to be trusted to be the earthly father of Jesus Christ. What was his name? So this is a man of character. I don't know if you ever thought this about Joseph. But I want to ask the question, was he righteous? Did he lose his righteousness? Did he gain true righteousness? Three questions. So what do we know? We'll have a look at the scriptures. Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was... He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Wow. Pregnant girl. Dream. Wake up. Do what the angel says. 
And he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And then he gave him the name Jesus. So the unusual stuff began after they'd become engaged. Everything's been really cool at first. And then Mary comes home with a story. And you can imagine his turmoil. Guys, men, you imagine his turmoil. He's got the girl of his dreams. His life is mapping out in his head of what it's going to be like. But clearly she slept around. And she's fabricated a story about an angel. So he decides to divorce her quietly. And then he has that dream. And this is the real first mark of real quality in this man, this young man, Joseph. He believes what he hears an, an angel say to him in a dream. And secondly, he's remarkably self-controlled because even when he marries her, he, he has no union with her. He has no sexual union with her until after Jesus' birth. So let's go just a little bit deeper than the simple story there because he's described in that story as being righteous. Now, what does that mean? Well, in, in his day, it meant a heck of a lot more than we've just thought about. In New Zealand, in every, every society, there are social aspirations of what young people would like to be as they grow up. In New Zealand, the social aspiration from any, for anyone who plays rugby is more than likely that they want to be an all-black, true? It, and if it's a netballer, they want to be a silver fern. Or if it's a basketballer, they want to be a tall black, or if they're in some other speciality, they want to go to the Olympics. They, they can look and it's a social aspiration because they know if they get there, they can walk down the street and people will go, Richie McCaw. Well, in Israel, the social aspiration, the greatest thing that young boys can think of is to be righteous. Think of it. They know they're a special nation. They've had all these miracles take place in the book, and the book says, keep the laws. And so you see people like those men that we saw in the hats, and all down through history, there have been people who've been aiming to be one of those, known as Richie McCaw. It doesn't make sense to us, but it's there aspiration of the highest order. In Hebrew, it's the word sadiq. Would you say it with me? Sadiq. And you could only be called sadiq if you'd consistently proven that you'd kept the Mosaic law, or at least no one had seen you break it too hard. And to be known as sadiq had huge social status. No one would have invited Joseph over and offered him pork for a barbecue. No one would have gone to his shop on the Sabbath and thought Joseph might have it open. I'll just go and check because I need some laces. Oh, no, he didn't make leather. It was, yeah, yeah. Maybe he's after a bit more money, his shop will still be open. No, no way. He's Sadiq. They knew, they knew exactly what kind of man he was. Now, wanting to be right with God is a really wonderful thing. But God was about to change the rules, wasn't he? What was going to happen? A little baby was going to be born. 
Because law-keeping had never worked. It's written about in the whole of the Old Testament. And now a baby was to be born who would die for the world's sin and live perfectly for God. And so he would accumulate a righteous record throughout his life that he would give to every single person who wanted to give their heart to him and, and ask Jesus to be the Lord of their life. He would, they would get Jesus' perfect record. Can you imagine what it was like to be a perfect baby? What did Mary, did he, did he sleep through the night for X number of hours? What was it? What's a perfect baby look like? But Jesus was him. What's a perfect child look like? Did he never have the two, age two? No, you can't do that. Come back. That's the normal parent. Jesus was perfect, and he gives that record all through, of all through his life to every person who names the name of Christ. All the rules were changing. So in Jesus being born, God deconstructed his earthly dad's beliefs. Because Joseph encountered this huge problem, didn't he? He's Sadiq, but his fiancée fiance has a bump. And he knows that it's not him. But Nazareth is, a, Nazareth is a really small town, which means in a really quick time, every single person in the town is going to know that his fiancée, Mary, is pregnant. And he's going to be seen as guilty by some no matter what he does. He knows that if he divorces her, some people will think, well, he's, he must have done it. He's pushing her away, but because mud sticks. You throw mud at someone, some of it sticks. But even worse, if he marries her, it's as good as saying he did do it. You know, it's worth thinking about this that there are things in life that can rock our equilibrium. We think we've got everything sorted for years ahead, and something can happen. Bad stuff happens to good people. Everybody finds problems come at them in life, and God didn't know for Joseph smooth sailing on the love boat to heaven. So why do we think that our life should be all smooth? And then the angel comes to him in that dream and says, Joseph, God wants you to marry her. And he chooses to believe God's word. What's God saying to us today in the service? Surrender. What did Sandra say when we began? Mary and Joseph probably didn't know the things that would happen. All they knew was the moment. And they said yes. And the angel came and said, God wants you to marry her. But think about the timing of it. He's already had the weeks, the worst weeks of his life. Why is the angel late? Why is God late? Have you ever said that to him? God, it's 11.30. Where are you? But God's never late for his plan. And he doesn't see the need to bring us in and explain everything to us and tell us things early. He doesn't mind us going through a bit of turmoil where we're not sure why and what and cancer and, and loss and job didn't work out how it was. He doesn't mind us going through some of those things. He walks with us. He holds our hands in those times. But he knows that 
It's in the turmoil that we pray the hardest, that we believe the hardest, that we focus our life back on track, or we don't. Or we just go over here to do our own thing. But God wasn't late on his time to break in. And, and Joseph's character would have been formed even more as he had to hassle through, what am I going to do? How am I going to work this? And he decides divorce until he has that dream. And then he decides obedience, obedience, obedience. God actually knows best. Perhaps this has been a year of sudden shattering of equilibrium for you. There have been choices, there have been problems, there's been confusion. But God has watched every time you've gone through those things. And he's noted every time that you've turned to him, when you've persevered and you've exercised faith, and your character has grown. And that growth sets you and me up for a better future. Because there's a new righteousness being revealed for the world, for Joseph and Jesus. And the angel tells him, don't be afraid. Now, the general, normal, quick thinking thing is, don't be afraid of me, angel. Oh, yeah, okay, you're bigger than me. But maybe the angel was saying to him, don't be afraid of losing Sadiq. Don't be afraid of losing the kind of righteousness that doesn't work. Don't be afraid of losing your reputation, Joseph. Don't be afraid of losing everything you've built your life upon so that you can walk down the road and people go, Richie McCaw. Wow. Richie. Because whatever he does from this point on, it shattered completely. Every bit of his aim in life up until that point is absolutely shattered. I mean, there's no way people of the town are going to believe that an angel came to a poor couple in an obscure village and caused a virgin to conceive, let alone believe that the child is God. Didn't you love that line in the song that said, Mary, you've kissed the face of God? Yeah. How would he explain to Nazareth? Graham, you've walked around Nazareth. It's, 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 it wasn't a big place in those days, was it? Where are you? Gone? Jen, are you here? They've both gone out to play with the kids. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. So 24th of January, our grandchild, first grandchild's being born. Well done, Emily. Everyone's going to know. All his reputation's going to be gone. And do you know what he says? He says, yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. And that yes, God. And he never got his reputation back in his lifetime. He, he went, stayed in Nazareth, and, and he started his shop up if it wasn't already going. He, 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 and and he, he made furniture. He made maybe houses. He did repairs on people's houses. And as he walked away each night after work, he knew that there were sniggers going on, and he knew that people were laughing, and he knew that there was, you know, you messed up, Joseph, and you got found out, Joseph. Looking down, looking down, looking down. But he, he stayed through it. But you know, he gained true righteousness. And every generation since his generation has looked at Joseph with respect and with, with, um, with just honor and said, 
This is the man out of everyone that was alive and that, and that sort of age that could have married um, Mary. God chose him, this amazing man, and seen the incredible qualities. And there are people in the world who, following Jesus Christ, have given up their respect and their for ages, sometimes for years. But you know, when you get Jesus, you actually get everything, as I said right at the beginning. You see, Joseph looked back the same as Ab- to, to the time of Abraham, where it says in, in Genesis 5, sorry, 15, 6, and Romans 4, 3, it says, Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that day, true righteousness came to Joseph. And Joseph accepted the gift called Jesus, and he became the second true believer after Mary. And each of us who have become Christians have followed in the footsteps of Mary and the footsteps of Joseph and believing in Jesus Christ instead of trying to believe that we can somehow make ourselves good enough to be acceptable to God. Now, please, don't hear me saying that being doing good things and seeking to be righteous and outwork righteousness is not needed. It makes for a great life. It's what brings societies together and allows people to be able to live together. But as far as giving you access to heaven, it falls forever short. And that's what I'm talking about, is access to heaven and access to the love of God in our lives. And the Christmas story of Jesus' birth right from the start, tells us that relationship with Father God can never come from doing good things. It's impossible. Some people, though, get really angry when you say that because they're holding on firmly to the belief that they're better than their neighbor or they're better than someone else in school or they're better than someone else in the family and therefore they must be more elevated and they're going to be able to come before the living God and say to him, You should let me in because I'm a good person. God just totally deconstructed it in Joseph's life. It was shot full of holes. You know, God likes getting us to the point where we have to choose our righteousness in people's eyes or Jesus. And see, Jesus in that scripture that we read tells us that He came on a rescue mission to save the world. And the world actually thinks, I'm fine, I don't need saving. But boy, is it a long way from being fine. So God began with Joseph, and he dismantled everything that he was clinging to to make himself feel as if he was good. And suddenly, Joseph was absolutely undone. But to his credit, he believed what the angel had told him. So I want to ask you, how about you? How about you? Have you believed the words about Jesus Christ, that he's God, that he's your rescuer, that he can save people from their sins, and that includes you and me, if we will ask him for forgiveness? Have you actually invited him into your life to be your leader and your forgiver? Because if you do that, you might be looked down on by some people but you'll grain true right, right standing with God. You know, on the night that I gave my life to Jesus Christ, my father just about disowned me. He was so angry. And I, I, we came home. I, I walked up the stairs from my bedroom down, 
downstairs and I tried to talk to him. In, in, he was in bed already and I tried to talk to him and he just <laughs> turned over and rolled away from me and refused to talk to me. My mother constantly for months afterwards says, son, you can be, it's okay to be a little bit religious. It's okay to be a little bit in love with Jesus, but don't become a fanatic. So my parents, as far as I was concerned, they, 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 they thought I had absolutely flipped over the edge. But I couldn't believe the love, the acceptance, the forgiveness that Jesus had given me. Because I'd come to that stage where I knew I was absolutely undone. And so I'd reached out to Jesus and I'd invited him into my life. And my life has been on a different trajectory ever since that day. And every one of us needs to do that. Every one of us needs to come to a point where we realize, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't ever be perfect. And I certainly can't be perfect for a day or a week or a year or a lifetime. I am destined for hell. On the night I got saved, I had a, a vision. I got onto the steps of the church. I tried walking home. I came back to the church. Everyone had gone except for a few people, um, but almost everyone had gone. And I got on the steps of the church, just about to open the church doors, and I, I had a vision that I looked at, and I saw myself walking off a cliff like the roadrunner used to walk off the, off the cliff with Coyote and, and Roadrunner. And I don't know which one of them walked off the cliff now. It's such a long time ago. <laughs> I was 16. And I remember looking down, and I looked down into blackness that got blacker and deeper and darker, the further you could look down into it. And I knew I was undone. I knew I was standing on nothing. There was nothing good about where I was standing and who I was. And you see how powerful Jesus coming to the world actually is? The world, the Jews, have been believing and trying, be good, 613 laws, be good. Pray for, and nowadays, pray five times a day. Pray 25 hours out of 24 on Yom Kippur. And God says, I've got a, I've got a way that works. And I'm going to send him to you. It's a baby. It's a person. It's Jesus. And any person that sees where they are personally and calls out on the name of Jesus will be saved. It's got to be personal. You can't get to heaven because you were born into a Christian family. Again, on the night I got saved, the, the preacher said to me, is Jesus your Lord? And I said, no, he's not, but he's my brother's. I thought somehow I'll stand close to Peter. That'll get me into heaven. And then everything unfolded and I came to that place where I saw the vision. I saw that I was actually standing on nothing. I was off the cliff. I couldn't even jump back. It was too far out. I was in deep trouble. But Jesus offers life. He offers a fresh start. He offers newness. And we're celebrating Christmas as the beginning of the story. But it's got to be personal for you. Could we just have every head bowed and every eye closed? And I just want to say, if, if what I'm making, saying tonight, uh, today makes sense 
to you. Why don't you surrender to him today? Why don't you say, God, I need you. I need that forgiveness. Because I would just love to be able to pray for you. You know if you're close to him or you've walked away or you've never given your heart to him at all. But I just want to ask you, just while every head's bowed, if, if you know you, you, you are unsafe and you need what Jesus Christ bring, has brought to this world, just raise your hand and I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Is there anyone here today who wants to give their life to Jesus? Cool. Please, um, please look up. Can I have the band come? Here's a thought for you, just as I finish. <clears throat> Joseph said yes right at the very beginning. But how did he outwalk it day after day after day after week after month, living in a small town where most people thought he had messed up his life? The aim of the whole nation is to be righteous, and he messed up at maybe 18 years of age and could never make it up. How did he walk it out, having people feeling bad about him each day and looking down on him, despising? I think it's because when you get true righteousness, the knowledge of it deep in your own heart, that God says you're righteous, you're virtuous, I see you as perfect. As I said right at the beginning, your shoulders go back. You stand. You live life as someone who's supposed to live well and not as someone that's down and struggling under that. Listen to what Romans says about it here. For if by the trespass of one man, talking about Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, that's forgiveness, and of the gift of righteousness, reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Let that truth get deep and deeper and deeper and deeper in because God is destined for you and me to reign. stand with us. Thank you so much for that, um, John. It's actually so good to be reminded, isn't it, of what Jesus has done for us. And we're going to finish with a time of, um, of worship. I just, I love how God we call, call him hidden and yet he also makes it plain I mean the words in this song is that it's written over the sky write it in the land write it in our hearts and that's what he's done he turns up every morning shows up again every evening with creative input into everything that we see in the sky how he wants to communicate I'm here you. 
I want you to know that love. And he sings over you. His love, his love song, his lullaby. Spoken to our pain, 
Gloria, 